Congregation, I proclaim to you the word of God this morning as we find that in 1 Peter 2, the first three verses. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 3. And there the word says the following, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to begin this morning with the words of the last verse of our text. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The apostle here is addressing people then who he would say have tasted, who have received and experienced God's grace. People who were once pagans, as we know from the rest of this book, and who have come to faith in God's salvation in his Son, in other words. Now, when the gospel is proclaimed to you in the preaching and sealed to you in the sacraments, it's then like tasting the Lord's graciousness. Word and sacrament, in other words, are food for your soul. In the Canons of Dort, chapter 3, 4, article 17, we confess the means God uses to work faith and repentance in his people, and it states there that just as God sustains our physical life through the means of our work and providing food, so he also sustains our spiritual life by means of the hearing and reading of the gospel, which is a seed of regeneration and the food of the soul. We have then tasted here, as a church of the Lord, the grace of God. But we're not just tasters here. This is not just about tasting that spiritual food here. It has to go further. It's especially about consuming that food and growing by means of that spiritual food. Growing spiritually by means of the gospel. Those Christians in Asia Minor had come to faith. But the apostle reminds him it's not just about tasting the Lord's graciousness. It's about consuming it and growing through that. Growing in it. Growing spiritually. Something to think about. Spiritual growth. Do you really need growth like that? You really need to grow? Sometimes you come across people who don't think, apparently, that spiritual growth is needed. We believe, don't we? As long as we believe we're saved, what more do we need? Why would we need anything, why would we need anything more? Why would we need to grow? 
people like that think their love for the Lord who gave himself for them can stand still. Apparently, they have no real desire to become stronger, more mature in their faith and love, quite satisfied with themselves the way they are. No desire to grow closer to the Lord. But you have to wonder about the the faith of people who think like that. Your spiritual life actually can't stand still. If it's real, then it's something that has to grow. If it's not real, your faith, then there's going to be no interest in growth. And in time, that spiritual life will wither away. But those who truly love the Lord will want to grow in that love and faithfulness. That's what living faith is about, right? You want to grow closer to the Lord. You want to to become more and more like Christ in your walk of life, in your attitude. On the other hand, there could also be people who have had what somebody has called spiritual fatalism. That's the idea that you're stuck with the way you are. They figure you're, you can't make progress. And you can't make you can't have real spiritual growth because they feel that genetic and family dynamics or the influences of past experiences and present circumstances are just too overwhelming to allow any change or growth in becoming more zealous for the Lord or more bold for Him or constant or joyful in the Lord. They, they feel trapped. I can't grow. And that's spiritual fatalism. Then you figure, if you're a fatalist like that, you figure you just can't grow anymore. Too much in the way. So you live year after year without much growth in passion for the Lord or the glory of his name or or growth in joy in his promises. You settle in like an adolescent who stops growing. A spiritual adolescent who stops growing and figures he or she will just have to live with pimples till they're 80 years old. Growth. Spiritual growth. Growth in zeal, in obedience, in love is natural and necessary for children of God in Christ is what Peter is saying here. That's how he, he speaks In the section from 1 Peter, which we read too, he speaks about being born again, purified, being holy as God is holy, which will never be in this life, but striving for that, growing in our salvation. Let's listen to the instruction of the Apostle Paul, Peter about that in our text with this theme, the the growth formula for those who have tasted that the Lord is good. We see two things that he says in the text here, get rid of what stunts growth and crave what alone gives growth. Get rid of growth stunts or stunters in the first place. Brothers and sisters, and that includes also the boys and girls, young people here too. The Apostle Peter shows in the first verse of our text that in order to grow spiritually, we have to dump a lot of things. We have to get rid of of poisonous things, things that can poison us and and stunt our growth. 
we have to get rid of some stuff, stuff we have by nature, stuff that, that really hinders us from growing in the Lord, from growing, becoming more and more in the image of Christ. He says, lay aside these things. The same word you, you find in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, it says, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Lay aside. See, to grow spiritually, we need to get rid of whatever there is in us that would hinder that growth. The Greek expression Peter uses in the text for laying aside certain things, that's an expression used in those days in connection with taking off and throwing away filthy and unclean clothes, worn out clothes. Like the clothing of somebody who was unclean because of a skin disease like leprosy in the Old Testament. If, if they were cured of that infectious skin disease, then that person had to go to the priest, be declared clean. And one of the things a person like that had to do in order to be accepted back into family and society again was they had to completely get rid of all their old clothes too. Those clothes were infected, unclean. They had to be completely discarded so that the person's health would not be compromised again. <clears throat> well, there are things that can seriously compromise our spiritual growth. And we need to, to get rid of those things. We need to rid our lives of those things. If we have tasted that the Lord is gracious, then we will want to rid ourselves of whatever, whatever hinders our growth in the Lord, our maturing as Christians. And what are the things we have to get rid of in order to grow and increase in faith and love? The Apostle Peter, he lists a number of them there in, in the first verse, and that's not necessarily comprehensive, but it's quite a gathering here of things that we have to get rid of. He says, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Five things that can hinder our spiritual progress that we need to get rid of like unclean clothes. Now, notice how the Holy Spirit has Peter formulate that list. He commands us to get rid of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking slander. If you could read Greek, you'd see that the apostle uses the plural for hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And what the Spirit is saying here with those words all and with those plurals is rid yourselves completely of every single form of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking you can think of or slander. We have to work constantly at pushing this out of your life. We can't just get rid of part of it and then say, okay, well, that's enough. I can get by with this. No, this is all poisonous to your spiritual growth. 
This is poison for the Christian soul. These things stunt, stop, and kill spiritual growth. And what our text is saying is that we need to keep up the battle against all these forms of feelings and activities. They absolutely have to be dumped. That should be our aim. Never stop working at ridding ourselves of these things. Because otherwise we're not going to grow in our comfort in the Lord, our joy in His grace, our zeal for Him because of that grace. These things will kill your spiritual life. And look at those, that list. What are those growth stunters exactly? You know, it says in verse 1 there, malice. Malice, poison for the soul. Malice is a bad attitude toward others. The desire to harm or hurt someone even out of spite. Anger towards others in your heart. Being negative towards others instead of wishing they're good. That's a whole attitude towards others. And then the text commands us to get rid of deceit. Deceit is acting with hidden motive. You play games in your conversation with them. Deceit. Deceit conflicts with Christ as the truth. And it's also negative towards your, your neighbor. Deceit is negativism towards others. It stunts your growth. You're maturing in, in Christ's image. Hypocrisy. The Greek is, here means speaking with a mask on. A hypocrite is a pretender. Somebody who pretends to be what he is not for whatever motive. Two-faced, acting uprightly here, but in another way somewhere else. A growth stopper. And then envy. Envy is resentment towards others because they have what you don't. More money. They have more money. They have better marriage. People look up to them. You begrudge them for those good things. You feel bitter, discontented with yourself, with your own lot. Envy hinders spiritual growth. And then he he mentions evil speaking, and the idea here is slander. Something so easily comes out of the sinful nature too. Bad talk about others behind their back. Make them look bad. Those who slander end up killing their, their own spiritual growth. They're after hurting somebody else and actually they're ruining their own spiritual growth. See, congregation, those are, those are growth stunters and stoppers the Spirit describes in the text. And notice that list, just overall. It's very much about our attitude towards our neighbor, towards our brothers and sisters in particular in the church. Because that's the context that Paul is spe- uh, Peter is speaking. And notice also that those attitudes and behaviors that are listed here are sins generally also tolerated in the church. Permissible sins, they've been called. Who hasn't felt malice in their heart or spoken or acted in deceit or slandered a brother or sister? These, these are things that are, uh, that are common are in, in, from us. And, 
And it's exactly those permissible sins among Christians which stunt their spiritual growth. Envy and malice and slander, things we fall into so easily by nature before we, we catch ourselves. But permissible sins that are so harmful and they sap your spiritual strength and growth. So make every effort to throw them aside, it says here in the text. We have to get rid of those sins. Strive to get rid of those sins before they spawn others which drag down our spiritual life. Sins of attitude towards others. We need to get rid of them. Throw them overboard. Think of a boat sinking. If the boat is sinking there in a storm, the people on board are going to throw everything unnecessary overboard. Anything that drags them down, they're going to chuck over the side of the ship to keep afloat and to save their lives. So we have to get rid of all spitefulness and insincerity and lovelessness towards one another because otherwise it'll drag us down. It's not easy for us to get rid of those things in our lives, but we, we have to for the sake of our spiritual health and growth for the sake of our soul's salvation. And it is possible to get rid of them more and more in Christ for those who have tasted the graciousness of the Lord. Because by his death, he has also obtained for us the life-giving spirit and promised that spirit to us in our baptism. And the spirit of our Savior can give the wisdom and the strength to do away with those sinful desires of the old nature more and more and put on that new nature renewed after the image of Christ which includes love towards one another that's the attitude that needs to grow we need that spirit which Christ has obtained by his cross and poured out on his church at Pentecost to help us to strengthen us to guide us to give us growth And how can we receive the Spirit? How can we grow then too? Well, that's the second part of the the second verse of our text shows how we need to crave or long for what promotes good growth. And that's that's the second point. In verse 2 of our text, beloved, the Apostle Peter shows us what's needed for good spiritual growth. How we can become stronger and stronger and more mature in faith in our relationship with Christ and our, therefore our relationship with one another. How can you do that? And he writes in verse four, in th- that in that verse he says, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. Newborn babes, I've seen a few of them, they want pure milk. They want it. They cry for it when they're hungry. They cry for their mother's milk. Their bodies, in fact, cry for that because they want to grow. They cry for what can bring about growth. They long for that. Well, that's how we are to long for that pure spiritual milk, says Peter. Like newborn babies who 
want to grow, have this innate desire to grow, and therefore long for their mother's milk, so we as God's people who have tasted the graciousness of the, of the Lord would therefore also crave that pure milk of the word of God. Seek the, the truth of God's word like a newborn baby seeks milk. We need that word to grow spiritually or we can't grow, we'll starve. Even a baby, a newborn baby realizes needs that. And that milk of the word of God mentioned in the text is, is pure. It's wholesome, full of vitamin L, love. The, the gospel contains all we need for salvation and for living a new life, renewed in the image of Jesus Christ. Nothing has to be added to it. It's pure. This is what you need. This is all you need. And then we drink it in by listening to it. Listening to it proclaimed, reading it ourselves, studying it ourselves, meditating on it ourselves, discussing it ourselves with others. If we, if we take in that milk of the word, the spirit of Christ is taken in and helps us to grow spiritually, to mature in faith, hope, and above all, in love through regular, faithful contact with the gospel of salvation and truth, the milk of the word. Taking that in. Congregation, please remember that this longing Peter is talking about isn't like a, a craving we might have for something extra, like a you know, snack of chips or a, a piece of pie or so. No, this, this is not dessert. It's something like this. Imagine you were shut in a small airtight room. And eventually all the air would get used up. And then you, you find it's harder and harder to breathe. It gets harder to breathe. You can't get the oxygen. And what's going to happen with, when that ha- takes place? And you, you have a hard time getting your oxygen. You're going to do anything you can to get more air. Right? You're going to either bust the door down or make a hole somewhere. Because you, you want that air. Whatever it takes, you want pure air. Because otherwise you're going to suffocate. You want to live. You crave air because you need it to live. That's the longing that Peter's talking about here for that pure milk of the word. Do anything to get it because without it, you're going to choke. You're going to die a slow spiritual death. And then congregation, you have to ask yourself, do I really thirst and crave for the word, for the gospel of Christ like that? Do I crave to open the, the, my Bible and hear the word of God like that? Congregation, do we see our daily devotions as an, not as a, an extra, 
but as an absolute necessity, as the highest priority every, every day. You couldn't go a day without food and do your work, work hard. So you couldn't, you couldn't go a day, actually, spiritually, without opening that, that word of God. It's like the, the need for air or a baby's need for its mother's milk. So easy to say, well, I'm sure I know enough about the Bible. I know about the Bible. I know about Jesus Christ. I don't see any big need to open my Bible today. I just don't have the time anyway. Oh, you know, with an attitude like that, there's never going to be any time. You'll never have the time. Because the trouble isn't the time, but the attitude. If you leave your Bible closed for the day, that shows the Word of God, which is the power to salvation for everyone who believes, is not any priority for you at all. The love for the Lord isn't deep at all, and it's starving to death. And then there will be no growth. Your soul's not going to get that vitamin L the Spirit gives through the gospel of Christ. Sadly, I'm afraid we often figure we, we, you know, we just need to watch a certain movie. Have you seen it? You've got to watch it. You have to see this. And then it's a need for us. We need to be on, on Facebook or some other social media. Keep busy with those things. Sit for, for hours behind a computer or with a novel too. Sometimes, you know, elders make home visits. And then they report back too that, you know, half the wall taken up with a flat screen TV to watch Netflix and play video games. But not a single reformed magazine or commentary on the Bible or even Bible in sight. And then, and then the people say, sadly, that they're too busy to have devotions on a regular basis. And they just don't have the, the evening to be involved in a Bible study society. And they're starving themselves to death and they don't even know it. But we learn from our text what we need to live and grow spiritually. And how to make progress in love for one another instead of envying, slandering. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts through this word, only through the word. That's how he enters our hearts and gives spiritual life, new life. And, so, and, and that's how we can grow via taking that in. That's how we can grow, via knowing, thinking over, discussing, hearing the gospel of God's love in Jesus Christ. Why then would we let things like business, entertainment, or, or so which only concern our physical, temporal life, use up all our time and resources so we have no time to drink in what really gives life that lasts forever? Oh, it, it takes effort. It takes effort. The funny thing is it takes effort to open this book. Ever wonder why it takes so much effort 
to open that book and why so little effort is needed to recall which shows or games are on at which time at, at which night and why we do our best to make the time for those things, those kind of things, entertainment things and whatever. And why it's so hard to get into the car to go to a Bible study. Why it's so difficult to memorize the catechism of the Lord's Day. That's our sinful nature. And, and it's resisting what's good for us. And we need to have, make that extra effort to do the right things because the evil one makes whatever will starve our souls look so pleasant and worthwhile and valuable. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, make that effort. Pray that you can make that effort. Pray for the extra energy. And you know, the more you're busy with, with this word, this book, the less pleasant and worthwhile those other things become. And the more pleasant and worthwhile it will be to know your Savior and to live in his love. You grow in those things. Be your priority to have a good attitude towards your neighbor. You remember that in the introduction to the sermon I mentioned that there are people who don't see any need for spiritual growth. They're satisfied where, where they are. They're happy with the way they are. They figure they're saved through faith. They know the Bible. So they, they don't need to grow. Do you see how, how fateful an attitude like that is? People who think that way better re-examine their, their own faith. Because believers who have really, truly tasted God's goodness in faith will want to taste more. And will want to grow in their salvation. Will want to be closer and more like their Savior. The desire to more and more now already become like they're going to become when Christ returns in glory. So they, they will make the effort to rid themselves of malice, hypocrisy, slander, and lovelessness toward their neighbor, which stunt their growth. They'll see that it does that. And they'll also heed that command of the Lord in the text to long for that pure milk of the word like a newborn baby longs for its mother's milk. And you remember from the introduction those who are spiritual fatalists too. They say they'd like to change. They'd like to grow. They just can't. Can't. There's genetic and family dynamics, the weight of past experience and present circumstance, just too overwhelming to allow any progress, to, to allow growth in faith, more passion for the Lord. But the spirit who works growth tells us where to seek that growth. After all, We've tasted God's goodness. And the more we study that in his word, the more we realize that goodness of God is so immense, that grace. And the more you taste that in the Bible, 
and see what it does in your life, in the lives of your brothers and sisters, the more you want to drink it in. And then you can and you will grow and increase in the Lord Jesus Christ and being able to love more and more as Christ loved. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, let your spirit strengthen us through your word so that we want to and we can throw aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander which harms and prevents spiritual growth and help us to learn, to yearn, to long passionately for that wholesome milk of your word, the gospel of your love for us in Christ so that we grow, so that we can grow more and more in the image of our Savior, in living in his love. In his name we pray, amen.